Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello, welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. From the giggle during the intro, you might be thinking this is a Tiffany episode, but it's a Sam episode. She is also giggly at the beginning of episodes, so that's wonderful. Anyway, I'm Heather, and Sam Balch is the co-host today. Uh, (laughs) Do you want to say anything, Sam? Good to be here. Perfect. (laughs) Well-crafted. Um, I was just complaining to Sam about my weird day and my low brain function, so um, so she's promised to carry the episode and make sure that relevant uh, and, and inspirational things get said. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so we have, a, we have a quote, of course, um, and this is actually from, um, it's from an article in the uh, March-April 2019 issue of Child Care Information Exchange, and the article is called Stepping into a New Space, a New Role, a Conversation Between Margie Carter and Nadia Taylor. Um, Nadia, it looks like, is a... Um, uh, uh, Professor, yes. Sure. Um, so a lot of a lot of the article is is her sort of examining her role in preparing teachers and and wanting to make sure she's giving it you know the kind of attention it deserves. Were you going to say something else about her? So she is. Let's see. So currently she works at Las Positas College mm-hmm. in California. She's also a consultant with a particular focus on continuing the continuing need for inclusion of anti-bias principles in early childhood education settings and child rearing. Holy cow. Well, that's, <laughs> that's big. That's, that's in the book, yeah. Okay. I didn't just know that. <laughs> it's just another episode of trivia with Sam. No, thank you. That was that was great. So here's our quote. Let's just do that. Let's get ourselves together here. Um, the quote is this. But as these feelings of exhausted despair tug at me, my better self reminds me that I want to, if I want to change the world, nope, starting over. Sorry, Nadia. We're going to start this all over because it's important and I effed it up. Okay. But as these feelings of exhausted despair tug at me, my better self reminds me that I want to change the world and that requires hope, dreaming, hard work, and advocacy. There it goes. So, so I was sitting in my office reading this at the time that the, you know, that the article came out. So several months ago, um, and I always have a big piece of flip chart paper hanging in my, in my office space, wherever I'm working Mm -hmm. and, uh, good smelly markers so that when I'm reading, if there's something that really hits me that I want to continue thinking about and not just pass through, um, I write it on. You know, it's sort of graffiti style on on this flip chart paper. And I wrote this so big in all the colors I could use. And it just, it it hit me so hard um, because that feeling of exhausted despair, I think, is something that comes up a lot in conversations of sort of like-minded early childhood, um, uh, you know, play advocate, child center philosophy kind of groups of people. 
within the current climate of early childhood education. That feeling of despair, I think, is so relatable. Um, So so this was sort of a challenge to me as as I read it, um, that if I if I if I think I'm going to be part of something big, then I need to get my butt in gear and do some work. Right. And it's both like a very heartening, like call to action and also sometimes sort of a pointed criticism of oneself. Like I can sit here wallowing. Yes, exactly. Exhausted despair, which I have done. And sometimes that can be healthy. Let yourself feel feelings. But at the same time, if we get so caught up in it's the system, Mm -hmm. nothing I do matters. You know, I just need to get through this and then I can you know, change later on. Right. Well, you can do more than that. (laughs) You really can. Yeah. Heather, we talk about this all the time. Like, people don't get into this field just Mm -hmm. because. Everyone's here because they want to be, like, everyone that's drawn to this is drawn to it a lot of the times because they want to change the world. Right. Which is this wonderful, amazing, noble thing, and we're all so proud of you that does require work Mm -hmm. and what you do in those moments when you realize it requires work and you feel like crap is where you're going to start to figure out what your gifts are Mm -hmm. and how you can use them to propel the profession and society as a whole. Right. Right. And I think if you're, uh, if you're doing that kind of honest reflective work for some that the, the answer might not be, Oh, then I, I need to keep hoping, dreaming, and working. It might be, this isn't for me right now, or this isn't for me anymore. And I think that's really tough to think about, yeah. too. But there are, you know, if you are the kind of person that is in that position right now, or you're like, is this for me? Don't think that this is the only way you can enact meaningful change in your community. And absolutely. <laughs> yeah. not. It's not the only meaningful way you can change the world with regards to children. Like maybe mm-hmm. it's the age group. Maybe it's just the school. Right. Maybe you're better suited at for nonprofit work. Like there's a don't don't like take your one not great time in one thing, that one feeling of exhausted despair, and paint the entirety of your existence with it. Yeah. Because you're better than that. You deserve better than that. This is becoming very much a, a life-changing <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm crying by the end, it's okay. Right. It's true. Like you you Whoever's listening, you have gifts, and you can use them. Yes. And if you need help, you can find my email somewhere. It's, it's, <laughs> it's around somewhere. You we can live email in, me to talk about it. We live in a digital world. Yes. You, you can, can find, find everything. Um, so I, I really was drawn to the strong language of, of yeah. this quote. But as I read it again and again, I thought, too, that strong language could also be really scary and sort of off-putting. So for myself, even, I found myself having to break it down, kind of. So, um, you know, the first reading, it was like, oh, yes, exhausted despair. And I need to hope and dream and work and be an advocate. And, and, And I was excited about that big picture stuff. But then after a couple more readings, I was like, oh, that big picture stuff, I can't do it. And then I was like, no, every day I hope and I dream and I work hard and I do advocacy. It just might not be on a big public grand scale, it could just be the conversation I had with a mom that morning in the preschool. Bingo. That could be my advocacy for the day. I think, and that is, sometimes that can be really hard 
to come to terms with. Uh-huh. I know for me, so I went to, I did my undergraduate in Washington, D.C., where everyone is there going to change the world because that's what you go there to Right, do. why else would you be oh, there? Right, why else would you be there? And everyone is going to be a congressperson and they're going to call the shots and they're going to then run for president and everything's going to be beautiful by the end of their term because they know how to fix everything perfectly. Uh-huh. The majority of us don't do that, which right. isn't to say that if you want to do that, you should, you should stop thinking about doing that. Don't live your dream, but at the same time, <laughs> recognize that's not the only thing uh-huh. that's going to make change happen. Sometimes change happens in one conversation with one parent today. Uh-huh. Sometimes change happens when you get that parent to reconsider the way they're connecting with their child. Mm-hmm. And then maybe through that conversation, they're going to have a conversation with one of their mom friends who's going to talk about it with one of their friends. Right slowly things in your community start to change. Yep. It doesn't always happen overnight. It, you don't always get like banners and balloon drops and confetti. Right. Sometimes that's not what advocacy gets you. Or hope. I mean, really, I mean, that, that's the whole idea of hope is it's, it's not, um, you know, you, you may not ever see the fruit of, of that seed you plant today. Yeah. You may not ever see it, but you just have to, to have that, that idea that, these little pieces have got to all add up into something. And there's enough of us out there doing these little pieces um, that that it, it's got to change the world, don't you no, think? Like, no, no. What, surely it's got to change the world. Right? And I, I catch a lot of flack for this. I'm sure there are other teachers that can relate, too, that, you know, you come in with this unbridled optimism with these hopes and dreams and advocacy. And you're like, I'm going to do these things. This is how I'm going to make my mark. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that the next generation has a more just and equitable society. And then there's that one teacher (laughs) sitting somewhere in the staff lounge like, oh, well, you just, right. Well, you don't really know. Let me guess. She read another article. And (laughs) and my heart aches for, for that. that. Yeah. Because, I want to know who hurt you and how I can help make it better. Right. Because I refuse to believe that I can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, maybe because I am just extremely naive. It's how I've always been. Yeah. I, I really think that what I do makes a difference. I also know that it might not be on that grand big scale. And yeah. that's okay. Because yeah. sometimes the only difference I want to make is to have the child in my lap not feel so sad. Right. So so let's look at this, at the language of the quote again. And um, so it says, you know, if, if, if I want to change the world, again, that could be the entire universe as we know it, which would be a difficult job. Or it could be the world for that one little guy who's in your lap that afternoon really struggling um, or really needing you. And, and um, that... You know, maybe it was hard work to sit and comfort. I, I definitely, I can think about one little guy, especially right now, who um, started in my toddler classroom, and he was not quite 18 months old, super small for his age, really overwhelmed by the bigness of this center and being part of, you know, a group of 10 now. Um, cried for four days straight. And that was difficult work. <laughs> yeah. um, but I had to always, you know, I just had to spend those four days with my mind on his world and in his world. And what difference can I make in his world right now? Um, 
and and you can't tell me that that didn't make a difference yeah. to to take that perspective That's so right and something that i always hold on to is those things that have made a difference nobody gets to take those away <laughs> like I, I have moved on to a new job now. I miss the students and the staff at my previous school. Mm-hmm. But no one gets to take away the relationships I formed with them. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets to say that that time didn't matter. Right. Because there were so many moments that did. Yeah. There were so many moments when I changed part of the world for one child, even if it was just getting something off of a shelf that they could reach. <laughs> And that feels good. And they Mm -hmm. helped change the world for me, too. And that, in my mind, is really what this hope feels like. Mm -hmm. Is knowing that it's going to keep going back and forth. I'm going to keep getting smarter. They're going to keep growing. All of these things set a stage. That is also um, uniquely terrifying. (laughs) Everything matters. Right, exactly. (laughs) But at the same time, everything matters. Right, but and I think, don't you... Don't you that that's where this idea of exhausted despair comes from? Because we're always acutely aware of how much what we're doing can matter. And and so so then there are those times when it's just overwhelming and you have to break it down a little again, maybe into those little things. You are a U.S.-based listener, then you have a very big job in a society that generally does not appreciate it. Um, that really sees it as just a precursor to kindergarten mm-hmm. and you're a babysitter and, you know, well, it's not like you work anyway. What do you really even do at your job? <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm sure you've heard that before. Yes. So that's, like, the, that's where, for me, when the exhausted despair really starts setting in. Absolutely. Like, it, I feel it very physically. Uh-huh. Um, you know, this sort of like, oh, gosh, you're so right. Like Yeah. What am I even doing? <laughs> they're, they're just preschoolers, and don't. As hard as that is, you got to tune all that noise out. Like it is hard. That, that's where that, for me, um, that's where that advocacy piece comes in. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just mean advocating for your students, but also advocating for yourself. Oh, and your colleagues. And say your more about that. Oh, I would love to. <laughs> um, you and your colleagues and your peers have an invaluable role in society. And you deserve to tell people that your role is invaluable. Mm-hmm. And if they say you're just a preschool teacher, what do you even do all day? I, Samantha Balch, give you full and complete permission to go all in. <laughs> you can start listing whatever you want. You can go hard talking about everything that you're doing all day for all those domains of developmentally appropriate practice. And then you can start talking about the nitty-gritty, everything you've cleaned, mm-hmm. every conversation you've had with a parent, every article you've read, every email you've answered, every time you sit with yourself and think, how am I going to improve my teaching practice today? That all counts. Mm-hmm. And some, like, yes, advocacy can also be writing letters to the people who represent you in your local governments. Right. Um, it can also be when somebody says, you're just a preschool teacher. You can say, well, what do you mean by that? Exactly. <laughs> you don't even have to go into full-on defensive. Yeah. You just you turn can... it around on them. And be yeah, like, make them why, a why did you? Why would you think that? <laughs> or what do you think a teacher does? <laughs> what do you mean by that? How does, how, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Because we deserve to be taken seriously. 
we take ourselves very seriously. So you're you are allowed mm-hmm. when people try to knock you down or imply that what you do isn't really work. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to stick up for yourself mm-hmm. in whatever small way you might want to, because that right. can also be very terrifying. Yes, thing for yourself. Especially in a profession that's largely women, especially in a culture where women are largely encouraged to not do that. To not do that, exactly. Yep. I give you permission to be loud. Right. (laughs) Right. Oh, my God. I blame Charles Dickens. (laughs) For everything? For for that particular aspect of womanhood. Uh, because he's so glorified the idea of this angel in the house who could save everyone just by being good and kind. And, uh, and, uh, caring for the man and the children. <laughs> well, now I blame him, too. For whatever that's worth. I yeah. think that's why we can't take care of ourselves <laughs> and advocate for ourselves and speak up. I think it's all because of Charles Dickens' literary success. <laughs> and now we will all burn our copies of Dickens' books that we know. <laughs> well, don't do that. Don't that's, do that either. That's, that's not an effective form of advocacy, although no. it might feel cathartic. Oh. Charles Charles is dead. We can't change his mind right, about anything. We can't change what that man has done. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Not, I'm really not sorry. Um, that old English major, Heather, has to sneak out every now and again. She just kind of gets pushed in and then I suddenly love bursts. Major Heather. All right, excellent. I'll see what else I can work in. Um, so I also wanted to talk a little bit as I as I read this too, um, and I've read it over and over as I've mentioned. Uh-huh. So each time I kind of process it a little differently. But there was there's one part of me that thinks about um, then the role that our little the little silos that we've created for ourselves play, and I, particularly in social media. Yeah. So the you know the Facebook pages where like minded people come together and. Um, I'm not being critical of those, but I wonder if we need to give some uh, some part of the conversation to this idea of to an idea of whether or not that kind of uh, mm, sort of those those kinds of groups contribute to the exhausted despair more than uh, Ah, alleviate that feeling like such a good point and one that I haven't really fully considered. Right. But I mean. So the language of echo chamber immediately uh-huh. comes to my mind. Right. Like, it is great for me to be surrounded digitally by uh-huh. people who believe the same things I do about teaching and learning uh-huh. because a lot of times they can formulate ideas in language that I might not know or they've got links to things I maybe haven't read yet but are generally yeah. on the same brainwave uh-huh. as we all are. At the same time... I feel like there's this tendency in social media when, like, one bad article's posted, <laughs> everybody posts it or adds their own commentary of how they can't believe this, how this is terrible. Uh-huh. Nobody's really contributing anything new. We're all uh-huh. just expressing our frustration, which is healthy. Right. I, I, is that doing anything? Right. I definitely think that there is a place for that sort of, um, that venting. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the queen of a good bitch session uh if properly motivated which i usually am and (laughs) but there are also times when i when i get called out on that and someone will say to me so what are you gonna do now or so so now what and and i appreciate that calling out 
not immediately, maybe, because, of course, I get all the, how dare you, kind of stuff going on. But eventually, I appreciate that someone told me, um, you know, okay, well, you got it all out of your system now. There was the exhausted despair. Yep. Now, where's the hope, dreaming, hard work, and advocacy going right. to come from? And I think, most unfortunately, there's not like a magic pill we can take to give you when you are in the pits of exhausted despair that will turn your attention back to hopes and dreams and hard work and advocacy. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. wish there was. I yeah. know for me some things that personally help are like talking to people, um, reading books about it, yeah. you know, seeing what else is out there, um, that kind of like soul food uh-huh. for my early childhood brain yeah. that I look for. Um, but you're right, we can't stay in that place of anger. The place of anger is useful because anger often spurns change. Yeah. So But but also it also just kind of soothes our ego. Yeah. To to get riled up about stuff like that. And I um so I just actually had sort of an experience that you were describing in in there somewhere. Um, so I I have I'm off for the summer. I'm sure everybody knows and is tired of hearing about that. Um, and by the time this airs, I'll probably be back at work for the fall. <laughs> but I was really struggling um, because my semester ended at at work a little bit weird. Um, I had an injury for one thing, which affected you know my work, but also like the grad students hated me, and um, and weren't shy about that. <laughs> So, so there was sort of just this, this feeling of, of disappointment at the end of the semester. Like I hadn't really done the job I wanted to do. Um, and also, uh, you know, I'm taking these, uh, early childhood classes for my master's and those classes are really frustrating. They're, um, I disagree with just about everything <laughs> on the discussion boards and in the assigned readings. So I really was in a place of, of, exhausted despair and and thinking well this is it this is the field this is where i am and then i got this new book um it's called children's lively minds making schema theory visible by deb curtis and oh my gosh i can't remember the name of her co-author now um well, i should know this because i went to a conference where she talked about it. yeah well anyway i mean i haven't even really made it past the, the introduction but it it just there were some things in that introduction that just made me think, yes, there are still people out there that I can relate to and feel like I can join in with in hoping and dreaming. Um, and I'm not stuck with this other stuff that's pulling me down. And 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 so just that idea of it was frust- it was a little bit frustrating for me to realize that I had to sort of leave both the day job and the academic work <laughs> and go into this other right. direction to be renewed in that way. Um, but then again, it made sense to me that that was kind of how it was going to go. Yeah, and um, I, I wish I wish people didn't have to do that. I wish our work lives and our academic lives <laughs> all aligned with all of the things we believe. Yeah. And they don't a lot. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, that's where this advocacy piece that mm-hmm. the is talking about has to come in. Right. And we have to say things like, Heather, I know your phrase about educational malpractice. <laughs> right? Like we, we have to be willing to say yeah. those things and get uncomfortable yeah. because at the end of the day, what is worth more? The, our, our comfort and not being embarrassed by maybe 
making someone angry uh-huh. or the fact that we have a chance to change minds and ideas through the research and knowledge we have. Yeah, yeah. And, I'll, and honestly, for me, some of the hard work comes in the form of letting go of having to be correct about everything all the time yeah. and and making those little compromises so that my advocacy will ha- be more effective because I right. haven't gotten into this big power struggle and I've put a little effort into the relationship so then when I do try to influence it's a little bit better accepted. Right. We don't have to go full scorched earth. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> you can't do some things if you'd like to. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I am going mm-hmm. to say generally if you build a relationship, just like with children, if you yeah. build a relationship, <laughs> you're going to have a better time getting rid of undesirable behaviors mm-hmm. and shifting thinking mm-hmm. than if you just come in and decide everyone is wrong and you're going to just lay out all the facts about it. Like, yeah. Again, do with that what you will. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what to do. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's okay. I wasn't asking you to tell me what to do. Perfect. Please this, don't. This time. I'm not in authorities. So. I'll get back to you later. Um, let's see if there was anything else I had. For those of you that haven't read this article that, yeah. that this quote is from, it's a lovely article. There's a um, lot in it. Like, I was like, maybe I should kind of summarize the article to really focus on where this quote comes in. Yeah. No, you can't. There's a lot going on. Definitely read it. It's really great. Um, the basis of the article, like sort of where the article came from, is that they're having a conversation about a book from Teaching to Thinking, mm-hmm. um, which I mentioned to Heather, is an absolutely incredible book. Mm-hmm. I cried like three times in the yeah. first few chapters. <laughs> like when I was talking about like soul food for the profession, like this book to me is really it. Um, yeah. But like, it's heavy work. It, oh, I mean, it's hard work, yeah. this book, just because, not because it's, like, complicated or the language is difficult, but it's it's challenging you to think constantly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this book feels very much like a personal call-out, mm-hmm. like, when yeah. you're reading it. It is it is exactly what this quote is talking about. It is that hard work. Mm-hmm. It is demanding mm-hmm. hoping and dreaming and hard work and advocacy mm-hmm. from you. And for me, that, like, terrifies me. Number right. one, I've mentioned Absolutely. that. Number two, fires me up. I'm like, great, that's why I'm here. I didn't, I didn't get into another field specifically because I feel like this field is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So, let's do it. But also, ah. Uh, but also, yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll just end it on that. You want to do it again? <laughs> it's, uh, oh, how does it go? I believe it goes, let's do it. But also, but also, yeah. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> we'll get that made into a t-shirt or something. And it will be the club shirt yeah. for our hard work club. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thank you, Sam. And um, I, so I guess I, I, I also want to add, uh, 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 um, it is from Exchange. I, I think you should, everybody should subscribe to Exchange. Yeah, it's a good magazine. Lucky. But if you don't, you can get like five free articles a year off their website, or you can do like an articles on demand subscription that's not the full um, to to get this article because it is really, really good. And there's a couple other good ones in that issue, I might add. Um, All right. Well, we're going to end it then. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Sam, for stopping and joining in with me. Of course. Thank you. (laughs) We'll see you guys on another episode. Goodbye. That's the show. Now go get your nerd on.